Top of the morning, Bugman. Thank you, thank you, Paul. You ready for this? I am very ready for this. Jim Parker is a Vietnam vet. He is also a longtime volunteer for Honor Flight Chicago, and he's taken great joy from honoring and serving his fellow veterans. But today is Jim's day to be honored. He is one of 110 vets on HFC mission number 110 to Washington, D.C. For Jim, it first means switching shirts from the orange shirt worn by volunteers to the gray shirt worn by vets. I still feel I'm more comfortable in an orange shirt, but I will get used to the gray one. Okay. This is, of course, about much more than the color of a shirt. It is the thank you, the acknowledgement, the recognition that every veteran deserves and gets by way of Honor Flight Chicago. Jim recruited 19 other vets from his VFW post to join him on this flight. You promise to be well behaved today, don't you? As I told Sister Marcia back in grade school, <laughs> please don't hit me again, Sister. <laughs> no, I am going to be really good today. Okay. My other guys, I can't vouch for them. <laughs> Jim had a mission in Vietnam to destroy the enemy. But as you'll see, this was a different kind of enemy. You were an Air Force brat. I was an Air Force brat. And your dad, being a military man, moved around a lot. We moved many times. I went to several different schools, two third grades, four fourth grades, <laughs> two kindergartens, and one other place that I swear to God I can't remember. And you were you were in the States, we but in you the also States. went to France at one point. That's right. When, when uh, at the end of my seventh grade year, we went to France. I lived in France, a little small Air Force base for the DOD school for 8th, ninth, and 10th grade, sophomore year in high school. And then, then at the end of my sophomore year in high school, we moved to California, San Bernardino, California, where I went to the largest high school in the state of California. Did you ever think about following in your dad's footsteps? Did you want to become military? I, it didn't really occur to me to do anything else. But the thing was, my dad was convinced that I should be an officer, like him. In the Air Force, you can't become an officer, cannot become an officer, unless you have a four-year degree. So you went to college? I went to college, with every, but I did not do so well in <laughs> college. I, I did not flunk out. I dropped out before I flunked out. This is at a tender time because you're 2S when you're in college. That's correct. But if you're out of college, you're draft material. I'm subject to the draft, and they wanted me. My draft board was in Southern California, Richard Nixon's home district. <laughs> they did not like out of college students at all, and worse, were out-of-state college students. So I knew they were coming after me. I'd seen it happen. I just went to an Air Force recruiter one day and said, how quickly can I get into the Air Force if I need to? Anticipating that I would get a notice for my draft physical, and everybody knew the score in those days. Everybody my age knew it. You take your draft physical six weeks later, you get your draft notice. 
and uh, he told the uh, recruiter told me it would take me six months to get in because the Air Force was getting inundated with enlistees at that time because nobody wanted to be drafted and end up in a rice paddy in Vietnam. Air Force was supposedly had cushy jobs. Navy, the same thing. So you've got to hope that you can stay in school, though your grades are failing, long enough so that that six-month period rolls around and you can get into the Air Force. That's exactly right, and that's what happened. I got my call. I went in right at the beginning of March of 1966. While I was at basic training, two or three weeks later, called home one day, and my dad said, your draft notice is here. Now, he was not pleased about me enlisting because he was not aware of my college experience. Ah, I see. All right. <laughs> I was having a great time in college. I could do it. I just didn't want to. So you're in the Air Force. I'm in the Air Force. And you go for basic. Basic training, Lackland Air Force Base. And you know the drill because your dad is an officer in the Air Force. So you know. Well, we, we grew up. We grew up with that kind of mentality, that kind of training. I knew growing up how to make an Air Force style bed. I knew how to do the facing movements, left face, right face. I knew how to do a snappy salute because I'd seen my dad correct people. So basic training was easy for me till the last day. And what happened on the last day? The last day, I back up just a second. In the Air Force, when you're in basic training, you fill out a piece of paper called the various services like a dream sheet. You put down what you want to do where you want to be stationed. It's called a dream sheet because it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But I put down two uh, specialty codes, AFSCs, Air Force Specialty Code. That's like an MOS. It's exactly like an MOS of what I wanted to do. And I had researched this because I had connections as to what the Air Force needed. I knew the needs of the Air Force come first. They weren't going to put me into something because I wanted to if they had a lot of people doing it. So I put down for two that I thought I could get in. And on the last day of basic training, they give you your assignments. I'd put down, where do you want to be stationed? Oh, let's say Hawaii and Germany. Pipe dream. Pipe dream. But I was stationed in Virginia. And I remember the Air Force Specialty Code I was assigned was 566 with a, with a backup special code of 563. I had never heard of either one of these. What were they? They were sort of new. 566 was Engineering Entomology Specialist. It's a weird name. 563 was much easier. That was just water. To me, the Air Force was always about planes. And I knew all the plane jobs. I didn't know some of the other jobs. I mean, I knew Skycop the Air Force version of MP, and some of the other jobs, but I didn't know anything about engineers. Engineers in the Air Force were just like it is every place else. You got carpenters and masons and electricians and plumbers and painters and sheet metal guys. Why they put engineering entomology, engineering and entomology together, I didn't understand. I knew what entomology was. I studied insects in college. <laughs> 
I actually liked insects in college. And I knew the Air Force didn't know that, but somehow they got me into that. I knew Air Force did some stuff like this, but I thought it was in public health because that's the biggest concern for uh, in the Air Force. Air Force is very big on public health for, for dis communicable diseases that are insects are involved with. Bubonic plague, the most famous. Malaria is the most current. But they were all bad diseases spread by insects. And when I got to Virginia, I found out why they sent me to Virginia. Because they got more mosquitoes in Virginia than any place else in the world. I'm convinced about that. So you learned how to kill mosquitoes in the service. I was very good at it, Paul. I was a quality bug killer. I got very good instruction on how to mix chemicals and use spray equipment, and including, by the way, aerial spray. You know, everybody talks about the Agent Orange. You've seen those pictures of the planes going over. Those planes were not designed to be uh, Agent Orange sprayers. Those were mosquito sprayers that I worked on. We aerial sprayed almost every day. Some area of Virginia to keep the mosquitoes in control. So you're learning this in, in Virginia, yeah. uh, but do you know at that point in time that you're going to be doing this on the other end of the world? In my unit at Langley, there were four of us all the same age, all came there at the same time. Two of us went to Thailand, two of us went to Vietnam. I was one of the Vietnam guys, two other guys went to Thailand. The Air Force, especially with engineers, they put you where you're needed. Some days, instead of grabbing a bug sprayer, I drove a truck, uh, dug uh, water wells. I helped, uh, there were times where I used to help the masons with the form boards who were building helicopter pads. So you did a variety of things. I did a variety of things, yeah. but mostly it was bugs with a little bit of water. When, when, you, when you got to Vietnam, you're on a base. Did you work only on that base, or did you go out into the the hinterlands and well when i got to vietnam it was about a month after tet it was still going on and so wait we we didn't do anything other than i didn't even go to my to the bug shop until i was there at least a month they had me and a bunch of other guys who got off the plane in some temporary barracks and where they needed help you know i drove a farm tractor and and dump trucks and did all kinds of odd stuff. So it, it, it was too hot. In it, other words, it's, it was, the there base, was too much going base on was for too you. Hot. Yeah. Base was too hot. The area around us was too hot. If you remember, Saigon was hit right at the beginning of Tet. Yes. And, and a, it took a week or two weeks before they could clear most of the bad guys out of there. Tonsonut, which was the biggest air base in Vietnam at the time, was on the perimeter of Saigon. And it took a little while longer to get them away from us. And that's where you were, Tonsonu. That's where I was at Tonsonu. All right. Once it cooled down and the threat of a continuation yeah. of Tet had kind of eased a bit, then you go about your mission. You're given your gear. Are you was, Are you in a truck? Do you have a sprayer that you're going out in the spring? I area? did a lot of everything. After this period of where they didn't know what to put me, they said, okay, you could go to the engineering entomology building. It's number 782. This guy will take you in a Jeep. 
So I go down there, and there's this long row of buildings. There's a big wall, and on the other side of the wall is a flight line because I can see the tails of the planes. All these buildings, and entomology is all at the end. And I walked up to that building, opened the door, and Paul, I was still outside. A rocket had cut through two days before and taken out the whole building. So, so much for the entomology so, engineering well, building. There, but when I walked in, I noticed a lot of familiar stuff. Spray stuff, respirators, overalls, the stuff we used to use. I knew I was in the right place, but there was nobody in the building. A couple of days later, we get back. Now we're back in shape, and I meet my NCOIC. I meet the other guys in the unit, and then we, f we figured out what we were going to do. And here's the part you may not like. Tent was still hot at that time around us. In Vietnam, there were two mortuaries for deceased American soldiers, one at Tonsonut, one at Da Nang. They used to get, during Tet, two, three, sometimes 400 bodies a day, a day, into this mortuary. They didn't have the space to store them. They stored them out in body bags outside in the sheltered area. And dead bodies attract flies, and they needed someone to spray the flies off the bodies. This was a job they gave the new guys. And if you went there and you successfully completed the first day without losing your lunch, you were there the second day and the third day. And I was the first guy they assigned this job to. But I did that for like two weeks. Now, that wasn't my only job, but I would go there twice a day. And the fact that you would have to do this is not That's pleasant. awful. That's just absolutely awful. I know, but bugs are everywhere. And when they get really bad, then they become pests and need to be controlled. And that was what guys like me were supposed to do. Were you on base most of the time or did you? I was you... on base most of the time. Again, every once in a while we would go out. The country had become much more secure uh, after about six months. And we would go out to a, to a village that was secure, or at least so they told us sometimes. And you would help the villagers. There were these, I forget what they call, pacification teams or something like that. Right. And there would be groups of doctors and people and engineers. Engineers would fix their huts, drill wells. I used to do that. Every once in a while, there would be a, a, a child who had a tick stuck to him. That kind of stuff. We were doing it out in these villages. But that was like four hours a day. Sometimes I drove a truck up and down the highway one. They'd send us down to the Saigon docks to pick up a couple of pallets of something, put it in a deuce and a half, take it up highway one. And sometimes you'd come across some valuable stuff. Plywood was in short supply in Vietnam. A pallet of plywood could be traded for just about anything. You have first-hand knowledge of this. I did not do it. I saw it. I do have first-hand knowledge of one incident. When, when the Ted hit, they brought... All the bigwigs were in Vietnam. We have to defend our bigwigs. Tonsonu was a huge base, lots of runways, big open spaces between the runways that were, were swamps. You know, during the monsoon season, I mean, it was, they were underwater all the time. And a lot of different kinds of flying insects 
including especially mosquitoes. We had these big mosquito sprayers that were fed on the back of a truck. You sit on this thing. It had a big diesel engine and it would blow this insecticide up in the air and spread around it. We caught and it would kill a lot of mosquitoes on the wing. My friend Dana and I were out <laughs> doing this one day. And we were there, again, we're young troops. We're three stripers. And I'm on the see, with my headphones on, my, all my equipment on, and we're spraying. All of a sudden, the truck stops. I turn around, and there's this colonel and a captain in a Jeep talking with Dana. I don't hear them because my machine is on. I turn the machine off. And Dana says, I'm sorry, sir, I cannot authorize that. He says, but, but please call our sergeant major. He will be glad to help you if he can. Okay, they drive by. So I said, Dana, what was that all about? He says, Jimmy, a colonel, that colonel came up, drove up, stopped, and he said, I want that, pointing to your spray, the sprayer. I want that. How much you want for it? You want a Jeep? We can get you a Jeep. You need a helicopter? Turn to the cab and said, we can get a helicopter for that, can't we? So he, he, he wanted... He wanted to trade a Jeep for the bug sprayer. He was a colonel. Why did the colonel want the bug sprayer? Because the Army couldn't get that stuff. Only the Air Force could get that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty quickly because there were a lot of Australians in the Tonsonute area at the time. They couldn't get anything. Australians could get steaks, fresh meat from Australia, not far away. So we were always trading insecticide with steaks. We were very stop, well fed. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Yo. People, if Navy guys heard me tell this story, they would say, what a piker. You, you, you know, they would have done the Jeep deal. <laughs> I'm thinking that a lot of people listening to this will say, why didn't you go into a career with Orchid or some other pest control operation? Oh. You had knowledge. You had well, expertise. Well, I had knowledge, but I wanted to do more. I was, you know, to go through somebody's kitchen and squirt for roaches. I was very good at that. Roaches could not live with my squirting. Here comes Parker. Here he comes. Let's clean up. <laughs> I was very good at it. It just, I just didn't want to make that a profession. When he came home from his tour in Vietnam, Jim remained in the Air Force, finished college, and having put pest control on the career back burner, Jim sought to become a lawyer in the Air Force. Problem was, back then, the Air Force had more lawyers than it could handle. Still, Jim went on to law school and used his degree for a successful career in commercial real estate. When retirement time came around, his late wife gave some valued advice to Jim. Don't sit, she implored. Stay busy. Help others. And that's what Jim has done, volunteering for a number of service organizations. He's been a volunteer for Honor Flight Chicago, almost since its beginning. 
anything involving veterans, when they needed somebody, I was there. And I got into it with both feet. And you've been doing it since, but you have never been on an Honor Flight Chicago mission. No, it, it feels very strange to me to be scheduled to wear a gray shirt. A gray shirt was for the veterans. Well, I'm you are or- one. I'm an orange shirt guy. Yeah. Well, you're going to be a gray shirt now. Right? I know, and I'm looking forward to it. I was very lucky to to join VFW post thirteen thirty seven in Mount Prospect. I got I was again very lucky. They tell you at Honor Flight, come to a welcome home. See what we do. See if it's right for you. There's this Marine, a 96-year-old gunny sergeant Marine from World War II who's been separated from his family somehow at that mess. And I'm helping him. They ask me, can you help push this guy, find his family? I do, and we find his family, and I said, as I'm leaving, I said, tell me, Gunny, did you like this honor flight thing? Paul, this guy stood up out of his wheelchair with a huge smile, no teeth, huge smile, and said, quote, that's the most fun I ever had with my pants on. <laughs> Paul, I was in. I was in. I, I said, this is a GI telling me a GI story with a GI line, and that's me. Now back to Midway Airport. Honor Flight Chicago mission number 110 with its 110 veterans, men and women, has returned from a long, joyous day of honor and thanks. The terminal is filled with family and friends for a welcome home celebration bursting with cheers and tears. Are you crying? I am. Why are you crying? It's very emotional to see this for these guys. They all deserve it. Every single one of them, whether they serve battle or not. Every one of them deserve this. It's touching my heart to see this. Every vet parades past, and some of them have tears in their eyes. Turns out that Jim Parker and the vets in his VFW post did travel the day in D.C. all together on the same bus. Dan Harrington is the bus captain on the purple bus, which is where Jim Parker and the rest of the VFW 1337 guys, were they well behaved? Oh my gosh, it was crazy. They had a great time though. It was so fun to see the camaraderie of all those guys together. So. We had a super day, Paul. Thank you. And they were well behaved, right? Um, What happened in D.C. stays in D.C. And as we watch the line, here comes Jim, and he's beaming. Hi, Bugman. I want my orange shirt back. (laughs) How was your day? It was just wonderful. It was just wonderful. Everybody was wonderful to me. 
and to my group, my posts, and everybody in my posts said it, I way undersold it. When oh, I got yeah, it. you got to work on your salesmanship. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Paul. I'm glad you had a good day. It was a wonderful day. You know, I was told by lots of guys when I was in an orange church that Honor Flight was next to the day I got married, the birth of my children was the best day of my life. Jim? I now know why they said that. So happy for you. Thanks, Shannon. So, so and was this day the most fun you've had with your pants on? Yes, it was. Absolutely. <laughs> Congrats, Jimmy. Thank you. Hey! Jimmy, Where did you come from? We came to surprise you. Woohoo! Yes. You, you did do that. My neighbors! Icing on the cake! Yes, it is! Thank you! The veteran who, as a volunteer, celebrates other veterans is now himself celebrated. It's a good feeling. Welcome home, Jim Parker, and everybody else on 110. And Bugman, get that orange shirt ready for next month. We hope you found today's Honor, Thank, Inspire episode to be moving and meaningful. And if you did, please consider sharing this podcast and make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. impact Honor Flight Chicago has on the lives of our veterans and their families is made possible by the generosity of our donors. To support our mission to find our veteran application, to volunteer, or simply for more information, please visit us at honorflightchicago.org.